Amen. If you truly believe there's nothing better than Jesus, say amen this morning. <laughs> I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I know that um, there's nothing better than Him. I've tried what the world had to offer, and there's nothing that brings peace, joy, and purpose. There's nothing that gives life except the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing and no one. I'm so thankful. There's nothing better than him this morning. I'm thankful that he's done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I love that song, man. There's so much power in that. He turns graves into gardens, seas into highways, bones into armies. That's my God. That's my Jesus. That's who we've come to worship this morning. That's who we've come to serve. And uh, that's powerful. Thank you, worship team. Great job as always. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. And this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse number 6, and, and we'll go through verse number 12. Now, I'm going to entitle my message today, How to Conquer the Spirit of Fear. How to Conquer the Spirit of Fear. As many of you know, last week uh, was Mother's Day, and being Mother's Day, we took a look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the first five verses, at the godly grandmother and the godly mother that raised up a godly son in the person of Timothy. And we saw um, how that should be true and can be true for the mothers today. And I like 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 so much, I just kept on reading. And as I kept on reading, I began seeing something here that was real and relevant for our lives today. Let me tell you what I've come to, come to find out, what I've come to realize as a child of God. What we need to do is just keep on reading the Word of God. <laughs> Amen. What we need to do is just keep on looking to God's precious truth, for it's in God's Word that we're going to find that what we need, uh, that which we need for a world that we live in today. God's Word is real. God's Word is relevant. God's Word is ready to give us the answers that we're in search of. Answers for the world that we live in, for the things we face day by day. I want you to understand and know that what we read on the pages of Scripture is not just an antique writings from a people of thousands of years ago, but this is God's living Word to you and to me. And God has something for us if we ourselves are ready to receive it. So this morning, I can't think of, uh, of a better message that we need today, straight from God's Word, uh, than how to conquer the spirit of fear. Because we're living in a world today that is crippled by fear. So 2 Timothy chapter number 1, let's look down, starting at verse number 6. We're going to read through verse number 12, then we'll come back and I'm going to give you three quick points and I'm going to be done. Look what it says, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Everybody say power. power. Everybody say love. love. Everybody say a sound mind. Sound now watch this. Be, that, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, According to our works, not according to our works, excuse me, but according to his own purpose and his grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You're talking about a power-packed verse, number nine is. Look at verse 10. But uh, us now, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am also appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12. For that which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. I love this. Paul here is writing to Timothy while being in prison for preaching the gospel. He said, I'm in prison I'm for, for not doing what's wrong, but for doing what's right. He's doing exactly what God had told him to do. He said, but even though I find myself in the prison, I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. What a blessing that is. Let's, let's go on. For I know whom I, whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep the, that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your power and presence in this place today. I want to thank you, Lord, uh, for your manifest presence that we've experienced this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And I'm thankful you've not given us the spirit of fear, but you have given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm asking, Lord, today that you make this truth real to each and every one of us this morning, whether we're seated in this place or they're watching over the Internet. God, we're asking that you use this message to speak directly to the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls so that we might understand how we can conquer the fear that we face. Lord, we need you. I can do nothing without you. Lord, I want to do nothing without you. I relinquish my will to yours today and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you speak to me, speak through me, fill me up and pour me out into the lives of people today so that you might be glorified, so that Satan might be horrified and so the church might be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I heard a story one time about a little boy who lived on the second story of the family home. That's where his bedroom was. And his mama took him one night and put him into bed. And then after she put him to bed upstairs, she went downstairs and got into bed with her husband, uh, ready to go to sleep. And she was laying there. And, and about, I guess, 10 minutes after the little boy had been uh, laying in bed upstairs, he hollered out to his mama and he said, Mama, I'm scared. I want to come sleep with Daddy. And she said, Son, there's nothing to be scared of. Go on to sleep. Jesus is up there with you. And so it, what she waited on for about, I guess, 10, 15 more minutes. And finally the little boy shouted out again from upstairs. He said, Mama, I'm really scared. I really want to come sleep with Dad. She said, Son, don't worry. There's nothing to be afraid of. Go on to sleep. Go on to bed. Jesus is up there with you. Wait a little bit longer. And finally the little boy at this time, he's screaming to the top of his lung. He said, Mama, please, I'm really scared. Let me come sleep with Daddy. She said, son, I've already told you there's nothing to be scared of. Go on to bed. Go to sleep. Jesus is up there with you. The little boy hollered back and said, will you come up here and sleep with Jesus? Let me come sleep with daddy. <laughs> See, what had happened is fear had gripped this little guy. Fear had crippled him. Fear was controlling his life. And I'm afraid the same is true for a whole lot of people in the world that we live in today. People are crippled by fear. People are controlled by fear. People are, uh, the, listen, fear is keeping them from being all that God wants them to be. And so God gives us instruction right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 of how 
we conquer the fears that we face. And all of us are going to face some fears. And I want to I say I'm not saying this morning that we're ever going to live in a world free of fear. As a matter of fact, I don't want to live in a world free of fear. And you shouldn't want to live in a world free of fear either. Because there are some very healthy, normal fears that we need. Some things that we need to be afraid of. Now, for instance, let me just give you a few. How many know you ought to be afraid of rattlesnakes? Anybody that's not afraid of rattlesnakes, maybe you need to come and spend some time in this altar, repent, and get your heart right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a snake person. I'm a, definitely afraid of rattlesnakes. And for good reason, because listen, they can and will harm you. How about sharks? Sharks are a good, healthy fear. I was watching one of those survival shows last week, and it was about a group of people on this island, and, and they were... Uh, um, living there and, and are trying to survive there. And, and as they were, there was uh, nothing to eat on the island whatsoever. Uh, no no uh, live animals to speak of that they could kill and eat. Really no plant life that they could eat. So all they could do was go out into the water and go fishing for what they were going to eat, what they were going to survive on. And, and the only problem with that, there were sharks everywhere. And so what these, they would do, they would sp- uh, sit two or three there on the, on the beach and then one person would go out fishing and the, and the other would be up there watching for the sharks that would be out there circling. And you could see them, the fins, sticking out of the water, circling. They'd say, here he comes, get out of the water. And they'd take off running out of the water. Now, why were they running? Why were they afraid? Because sharks will kill you. That's a good, healthy, normal fear to be afraid of sharks. Nothing wrong with that. You need that fear. Let me give you another one that's not as much physical, more spiritual. Jesus says this in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter number 10 and verse number 28. I'm going to flip over there. You can if you choose to. If not, write the scripture down. Go back and later and, and see what the Bible says to you. But Matthew 10, 28 says plainly, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Let me tell you what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches plainly that if you leave this walk of life not having your sins forgiven, you're going to stand before a holy God. And God being holy then must punish you because you come before him as a sinner. And that punishment is what is called a devil's hell. Now I've got some good news, some great news, some gospel truth that I want to give you today. Nobody has to go to hell. The truth is Jesus paid your sin debt at the cross and all who choose to place their trust in him can have their sins forgiven, be born again, and have eternal life. But if you choose to not trust in Jesus, you will face the wrath of of hell itself. That's what it's all about. The punishment for unforgiven sin. Amen. And Jesus said, you ought to be afraid of that. As a matter of fact, if you're in this sanctuary this morning or listen to me over the internet uh, and during this message and you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you are still in your sin. I don't know how you're surviving. I don't know how you're walking around every day. I would be absolutely terrified knowing that I am one heartbeat away from standing before a holy God. You are one heartbeat away from a devil's hell. You ought to be afraid of that. That's a good, healthy, normal fear. Let me tell you something else you ought to be afraid of, or excuse me, someone else that you ought to be afraid of. The Bible says you are to fear the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 7 says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Amen? I love that verse. It's so true. Now when the Bible is talking about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about a dread of God. I don't dread God. That, that's not what it means. I love God. 
I'm thankful He is my Heavenly Father. I love Him as my Heavenly Father. When the Bible says that we are to fear God, what it actually means is that we are to reverence and respect Him. I've heard it said, and I believe it to be true, those who fear God most love God best. Dr. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers of all time, he said, speaking of the fear of the Lord, he says the fear of God is simply love on its knees. That's good stuff. It's us being willing to reverence and respect the God we know to be holy, the God we know to be all-powerful. So we should certainly fear God. Now, how do you know if you have a healthy, right fear of God? Well, the Bible tells us plainly, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13, that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance. So if you really want to know how you're fearing God, or if you're fearing God the way you're supposed to be, how do you feel about your sin? How do you feel about the pride in your life? How do you feel about the things that God hates? See, I believe we ought to love what God loves, but also we ought to hate what God hates. And if you're fearing God, you will do that. If you're reverencing and respecting God for who He is and what He said, you will do that. I remember just a few weeks ago, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I, I've got a great marriage. I don't have a perfect marriage by no means. Nobody does. We're, we're all still learning and growing and, 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 and be, trying to be what God wants us to be as husbands and wives. That's true. But I have a great marriage that the Lord has blessed me with a great wife who loves Him. And therefore, she knows how to love me. And she does love me and, and puts up with me. But a few weeks ago, we got into a, a little bit of a disagreement. I'm not going to call it an argument. I'm going to call it a spirited discussion. Does anybody ever have some spirited discussions? With your spouse, I, maybe it's just me and her, but from time to time, we have these spirited discussions when I just can't get her to see things my way, you know? And, and so well, that's exactly what was happening. We, we got into one of these spirited discussions, and I was giving my viewpoint, she was giving her viewpoint, and, and, and I said some things that I certainly should not have said, and I went further than it was supposed to go, and I stormed out of the house. And after spending some time by myself that day, the Holy Spirit of God began convicting my heart. And I began to see she wasn't seeing things my way because my way wasn't right. She wasn't seeing things the way I thought she ought to see things because I was completely wrong in my argument and what I was saying. And so God convicted my heart that day and I had to come back that evening and say, Honey, I'm sorry. I've asked God to forgive me and I ask you to forgive me. But let me tell you why. Because I didn't like that prideful arrogance that I was showing to her. And I'm thankful for that because the Bible says if I'm truly fearing God like I'm supposed to fear God, I'm going to hate pride. I'm going to hate arrogance. I'm going to hate the evil in my life. Now I want you to know something. I, I like to come into the house of God and have a good time. How about you? I don't want to come into a service like this and it be dead as a hammer. I, I don't want to come and preach dead sermons and pray dead prayers and sing dead songs. I want to laugh. I want to enjoy the Lord. I want to walk in the joy of the Lord wherever I am, whether I'm at church, whether I'm at home, or in my workplace, wherever I'm going. I want to walk in the power of God, experiencing the joy of the Lord. We said, sure, we should certainly be doing that here. So I want to laugh, have a good time, try new things, all of that. But everything we do, we must do in reverence to God who is holy. 
out of respect for him. A lot of people think reverence is when you're uh, being real mousy and real quiet and you don't want to say anything too loud. And Sometimes that is reverence. But you know what else the Bible says? The Bible says that I'm to praise God through loud singing. I'm to praise God through clapping my hands. I'm, the Bible even talks about I'm to praise God with the timbrel and with the dance. So we can dance, we can sing, we can play instruments, we can shout, we can clap our hands. We can do all of those things in reverence to God who is holy out of respect for Him. And we should do all of those things. David is called uh, the man after God's own heart. And the Bible says there was a time when he danced in his linen ephod. That means he was just about naked dancing before the Lord. Yeah, I want to tell you something. If you ever feel led to dance like David, pray about it. Pray about it. Make sure that's what, <laughs> that's what God wants from you. But I'm just saying we ought to do whatever we're doing in reverence and respect unto the Lord. All right? So fear God. That's a good, healthy fear. Now, there's also some very unhealthy fears. Some crippling fears that the Bible is speaking of right here. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit calls it the Spirit of fear. It's what we would call today a phobia. I've looked up in the Journal of Medicine this week what a phobia actually is. A phobia is an irrational fear or aversion to something. It's that fear that comes from an irrational place within our minds that cripples us and keeps us from being all that God wants us to be. And there's a list of phobias a mile long from A to Z. I mean, there's all kinds of different phobias that we could talk about this morning. All of you have heard of claustrophobia, the fear of being closed in spaces. My daughter, when I actually said that right then, she shook her head and went, because I know she has that fear. She has that fear of being in a closed-in space. Acrophobia is the fear of heights. We all know what that is. Uh, there's a, another phobia that a lot of Baptists have. It's called neophobia. It's the fear of something new. <laughs> Amen? A lot of Baptists have that one. Matter of fact, about two years ago, I was preaching a revival service. And uh, I was talking about how I enjoyed... Um, all the new worship songs along with the old hymn songs. And however we can praise Jesus, I want to praise Jesus. Whether it's with a new song or an old song, it don't matter to me. As long as we're glorifying God, let's glorify God. Hey, if we're doing it with an organ or a piano or a guitar or drums or a trumpet or whatever we're doing it with, let's just praise God. Amen. And so I was preaching that and I got done that night and a lady came to me after the service. She just this point blank just told me, she said, Pastor, I agree with your sermon, but I don't like them new songs. I know what you're saying, but I just don't like those new songs. Sweet lady. I believe she meant well. I really do. And I asked her, I said, Susan, let me ask you something. I said, do you like Amazing Grace? She said, I love Amazing Grace. I said, me too. I said, do you like Victory in Jesus? She said, I love Victory in Jesus. I said, me too. I said, do you like Come Thou Fount? That's probably my three favorite hymn songs. She said, I love Come Thou Fount. I said, me too. She said, that's the kind of music I think needs to be sung in church. Those old songs. Well, I said, now, sister, I want you to think about something, though. You know that at one time, Amazing Grace was a new song. And you know at one time, Come Thy Fount, it was a new song. And you know at one time, 
Victory in Jesus was a new song. But God began doing a work in and through those songs, speaking to people's hearts, changing people's lives through the blessed truth that's in those songs. And now those are these traditional old songs that we all know and love. Who's to say that these new songs that are just coming out is not one day going to be an amazing grace or be a come thou fount or be a victory in Jesus? The Bible says we ought to sing a new song. Amen. I think we ought to try new things as we are, listen, get this, spirit-led. Spirit-led. I want to try new plans. I want to try new programs. I want to try new songs. I want to try new ways to reach people as we are spirit-led. Amen. Because God knows what we need. And God the Holy Spirit will lead us if we'll follow so we want to be spirit-led in what we do. Anyway, so there's all kind of phobias that we could talk about. These unhealthy, irrational fears that are keeping us from being all that God wants us to be. Now, I want you to know something. You don't have to be a weak person, and you don't have to be a weird person to experience fear. Nobody does. Matter of fact, I looked up this week that uh, throughout history, there have been some very influential, powerful people that had some very uh, irrational phobias, some irrational fears that they had to deal with. Anybody remember Julius Caesar, the emperor of Rome? Julius Caesar, listen, he led the battles, or excuse me, the armies of Rome into battles and won those battles and, and did great things for his country at that time. Very brave man. But you know that Julius Caesar uh, was uh, terrified of thunder. I mean, every time it was thunder, he'd try to hunt him a hole. I mean, he was just scared to death of thunder. That was kind of a phobia that he had. I, I want to give you one of my own pet peeves, I guess, or pet phobias maybe that that, uh, that gets to me. It starts when I, from when I was a little boy. When I was about seven or eight years old, I was sitting behind my dad. He was in the driver's seat. I was sitting in the back seat. And he had his uh, seat pushed up a little further than normal. And I took my feet and stuck them up under the front seat of the car. I'll never forget this. And then when I wanted to get my feet back out, I couldn't get them out. And so I just panicked. I mean, I went ballistic, went crazy in that back seat. Trying to get my feet out. Couldn't get them out. And so then, Dad had to pull over and actually had to take one side of the seat loose to get my feet out from under his front seat. And ever since then, I have a fear of not being able to move my feet. If I get, if, isn't that weird? That's crazy, isn't it? Well, that's a, you don't have to, well, you said, Brother, maybe you are a weird person. I probably am a little bit weird, but you don't have to be real weird. To have fears in your life that keeps you from being what God wants you to be. We all have these certain irrational phobias, these fears that we deal with. Um, it's been around forever. Now, I want to tell you something though. There's three points that first of all I want to make about fear and how it, uh, these phobias, this spirit of fear that Paul is de dealing with here. First of all, fear causes forgetfulness. All right. Look, look what the Bible says, First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says to Timothy, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Now, if he's putting Timothy in remembrance, that means that Timothy has forgot something. He says, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So guess what he's telling Timothy? He's, telling, he's saying, Timothy, you've got a great godly heritage. We saw that last week. 
He said, you've had an awesome godly experience where God's changed your heart, changed your life, put you into the ministry, and now Timothy is the pastor at the church of Ephesus. And he says to Timothy, God's done this great work in your life, but you forgot some stuff. Because of Timothy's fear, he had forgotten some things that sometimes we forget because of our fear. Sometimes when we are operating by fear, crippled by fear, we forget who God is. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. I believe that's happened in the world we live in right now. I was sitting in the barber's chair. Um, I guess it was Friday. Praise God for barbers. I never understood how much I liked getting my hair cut until I couldn't get my hair cut. And man, I, I'm glad to be able to get back in there and, and get my hair, hair cut. I don't know that I look any better, but I certainly feel better. I, I felt 10 pounds lighter when I walked out of that barber shop. So we're sitting there in the barber's chair, and my barber asked me, he says, are you scared of the coronavirus? And I said, what do you mean scared of it? He said, well, are, are you scared of the coronavirus? I said, well, let, let me put it to you like this. As a child of God, the Lord has never, ever called me to walk in fear. He has called me to walk in wisdom, but to never walk in fear. He said, well, I'm just afraid of what might happen. And he said, I, I don't want to get it. And I said, no, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get it either. I don't want to get any disease. But I'm not going to allow this disease to cripple me and keep me from being what God wants me to be. What God's told me to do. We can't live our lives like that, folks. There's also a, a pathophobia. Anybody ever heard of pathophobia? It's a fear of disease. And I'm going to tell you, that's running rampant right now in our world. I mean, to the point that people are so crippled, so afraid, they're not even coming out of their house. Listen to me. We're going to have to learn to live with diseases because we live in a fallen world. They're, they've always been around. Should we walk with wisdom? Absolutely. Like we've said from the beginning, folks that are elderly, folks that have um, certain pre-existing conditions, yeah, you should do some things to take care of yourself. Walk with wisdom. But that don't mean you ought to be crippled by fear. We, we can't be. We, this fear has caused us to forget who God is. I told my barber that this, I said, brother, I want to tell you something. I know who my daddy is. If I really believe that God is the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe who spoke and the worlds came into existence, then I must believe He can handle this virus. If I really believe that He never leaves me and never forsakes me, I know whether I get it or I don't, He's going to be with me. If I really believe He's my daddy God, I know everything that comes into my life has to come across His desk first. And I said, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm not saying I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to say it won't take my life. It might. But even if it does, I know in whom I've placed my trust. Folks, if it's not the coronavirus, this is going to be something else. <laughs> you may get hit by a car leaving today. You may drop dead with a heart attack. You can't live your life afraid of what might happen. The child, of good, the child of God should, certainly should not be doing that. We know who God is, or have you forgotten? 
Don't forget. Paul said, Timothy, remember what God's called you to. Remember what God's done in your life. Remember who God is. I challenge you, church. Remember who God is. Fear causes forgetfulness. Let me tell you something else. Fear also causes failure. Timothy has been saved by the power of God and called to preach. But now Timothy has shut up because he's fearful. Let me tell you how I know that. Look down at verse number 8. Verse number 8 says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Like I told you in my introductory statement concerning this sermon, I, I told you that Paul was now in prison for not, not for doing what was wrong, but for doing what was right. And I think what was happening is Timothy looked at the life of Paul and said, You know what? If they'll put Paul in prison for preaching this gospel, they'll put me too. And so he had clammed up. He had shut up. Why? Because of his fear. And Paul had to remind him, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Be thou a partaker with me. Paul realized, and we need to realize, whatever we face for cause of the gospel is worth it. The message of the gospel is the only thing that impacts eternity. It's worth it. It's worth it. Now, let's, let's make application for me and for you. Do you know there's a lot of people that are crippled by fear and because of that, it's causing them to fail in their walk with Jesus and their service to the Lord. See, there's a lot of people who ought to be preaching the sermon. You know God's called you to preach, but you, ain't, you won't do it because you are deathly afraid of speaking in front of people. I understand that. Believe me, I get it. But I can also say this. If God calls you to it, He'll bring you through it. I can also say this. God doesn't call the equipped, because I certainly wasn't that, and still am not. God doesn't call the equipped, but He always equips the called. If He calls you, He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will always give you exactly what you need if you'll look to Him, if you'll trust in Him. There's a lot of people who's called to preach that are not preaching because they are deathly afraid. They've got that phobia. There's a lot of people who need to be singing a special, but they won't do it because they're scared to death. There's a lot of people who need to be teaching a class, but they won't do it because they're scared to death. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Don't cause fear or don't let fear cause failure in your life. Don't do it. That's what happened with Timothy. Fear causes forgetfulness. Fear causes failure. Fear also causes frailty. How do I know this? Well, to really understand what's being said here, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul says something to Timothy here in verse number 13. He, he tells him there that Excuse me, verse number 23. He says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and then often affirmities, infirmities. What, what's Paul saying? He's saying, Timothy, you're having all these stomach troubles. Let me tell you why Timothy's having all these digestive issues. Do you know that about 99% of digestive issues come um, from psychological reasons because of worry? That amazes me. 
As a matter of fact, just this past week, I was listening to one of the most well-known leading doctors in this country on Fox News. Listen to what he said concerning the diseases that we face. He says 90% of chronic patients have one thing in common. Their trouble did not start with a call for chest pain or hyperacidity. In 90% of cases, whatever uh, it is, it started with fear. Isn't that amazing? Fear has a psychological effect on your life that will definitely affect you physically. That blew my mind. And that's what we're seeing here with Timothy. Timothy was staying so tied up in knots and fearful of what might happen, it was causing frailty physically in his body. And it will for us as well. You can't keep living in fear. Fear will kill you. That's what Paul's telling him. That's what he's telling us. So let me ask you something. I've given you a whole lot of the problem, but it's a terrible message that gives you the problem without giving you the answer. So let me give you the answer. How do we conquer the spirit of fear? How do we conquer this irrational aversion to things in our lives that we talked about? Well, the Bible says that God gives us three things. He says in verse number seven, for God hath not given us that spirit of fear, but of power. Everybody say power. Let me tell you why we become fearful. Because we think ourselves to be weak. Pastor Doc Schell was the pastor of uh, Christ Chapel in Florence for years. And I always loved that brother. His ministry was a blessing to my life. I listened to him about every morning um, from on 106.3 out of Florence. If I was in the truck at work or whatever, I was always listening to, uh, to Doc Schell at the time he came on. And uh, he, he just a great man of God. And he told a story about something that happened to him whenever he was in high school. He grew up in Sand, Sand Mountain, um, and he said he was um, down there on a Friday night, and they was all sitting around the parking lot uh, as, as teenagers, you know, riding around town. And, and one of the boys started bullying another boy. And he said, you know how it goes. You, you get around a bunch of people like that, and there's these certain bullies who think themselves bigger than what they are that try to pick on everybody else. I, I, don't, I can't stand people like that, by the way. Don't be a bully. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Husbands don't bully your wives. Wives don't bully your husbands. No, just quit bullying people. That's stupid. That's pride on display. That's pride on parade. So there's this bully. He's bullying everybody because he thinks he's a little tougher because he's bigger. It's amazing to me. Bullies only pick on people who they think they can get away with it with, right? That's the nature of a bully. So anyway, that's my soapbox for the day. I'm just saying, don't be a bully. But anyway, this kid's bullying this other one. And he's scared to death because this kid's a whole lot bigger than he is. And he said, they're all sitting around there and the, and the boy that's being bullied leaves. And he comes back and when he pulls up, he pulls into the parking lot. Guess who he's got with him? His daddy. <laughs> and he gets out in the parking lot with his daddy. And now this bully who thought himself to be so big and so bad is scared to death and he leaves. Why? Because daddy came back. Now there is great spiritual truth in that. A lot of times we become fearful because we forget daddy's with us. The Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Dr. Jerry Vines, I heard him once say this. He said that he who has bowed before God can stand before any man. I like that. 
Remember, God your Father is with you. Remember, He is able to keep you. Like Paul said right here in in verse number, uh, um, verse number, let me find it. 12, for that which cause also to suffer these things, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able. How many are persuaded this morning that God your Father is able? And he hath, um, and believe that he, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You need to understand and realize God has given you his power by the person of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you each and every day. He has endued you with power according to Luke 24, 59 so that you might go out and be what God wants you to be. Some of you as believers are absolutely terrified about witnessing. Anybody? I'll raise my hand. I'm going to tell you something. It still terrifies me because I realize the responsibility. I don't want to say something that's wrong. I don't want to mislead anybody. I don't want to tell them the wrong thing. And so I still get terrified with that. But you know what I found out? That when I step out in faith and actually do what God tells me to do, He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And by His power and person of the Holy Spirit, He gives me exactly what I need in that moment to share to people about who Jesus is. And He'll do the same with you. He gives us power. Amen? But then the Bible says He gives us love. Love. I saw a story last year about a mama in Florida they were on vacation and the, her little boy he was three four years old gets out into the water and a shark attacks him bites the little boy's leg and the little boy's you know goes uh, crazy in the water screaming and crying and the mama sees what's happening and she takes off running from from the beach runs into the water scratches the shark's eyeballs and pulls the little boy from the shark's mouth. Let me ask you something. Do you think that mama would ever try that if the boy wouldn't be attacked? If she does, she's braver than I am. What gave her such bravery? What, what gave her? And again, listen to me. Bravery is not the lack of fear. Bravery is being fearful and doing what's right anyway. What gave her such bravery? I'll tell you what, love. Because she loved that little boy, she was willing to face the shark that was attacking him. And the same is true for us, folks. When we truly know how much God loves us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Five in verse number 5, that God has shed abroad His love into our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. When we really know how much God loves us and when we love Him, it causes us to do what He wants in spite of our fear. He gives us power. He gives us love. And the Bible says He gives us a sound mind. What does it mean when He says a sound mind? Does it mean to think logically? Yeah, that's part of it, but it's, it goes deeper than that. The sound mind means to see things for really what it is. Do you remember when you was a kid and you'd be in your room at night and it would be really dark and you could look over into the corner and just swear you've seen a monster? Anybody remember that? 
You, you could just about look over there and make that shape in the dark out to whatever to be whatever you thought it was was at that time. I mean, it, you'd lay there just crippled in fear, wondering, kind of like the little boy I talked about a moment ago. That's what he was doing. I, and I, I've been there myself because I was once a little boy, and I'd lay over there, man, I'd just be scared to death until I got up and turned the light on, and I found out all it was was a chair with some clothes on it. But for a while. For a while, before I got some sound mind because of some light that was shed on the situation, <laughs> I was scared to death. Well, God gives us a sound mind and, and, and allows us as God's people to see things for what it really is. L let's apply this to the current situation that we find ourselves. L let me, first of all, tell you I'm not a doctor. I'm sure you can tell that. I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not any of that. I'm not a professional. Anything. Certainly not a doctor in the medical field. But I do know this. If you just look at the numbers that I'm seeing from this virus, it seems as though we've got a hold of a flu nobody knew anything about. And we got some bad numbers at the beginning that scared us all to death. And wisely, we took precautions that we need to take. But now that we've actually seen what this is and what we're dealing with, I think we can all go back to living life. I think we should all go back to living life. Let me tell you what else I think we ought to do. I think we ought to be wise, walk with wisdom, wash your hands, be as hygienic as possible, don't take unnecessary risk. I get all that. But don't quit living because you're crippled in fear. Let's get back to serving God and serving people. Let's get back to living life. Let's get back to enjoying freedoms that we all have. This is getting ridiculous. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? Now, again, if you're here this morning or you're listening to me this morning and you've not yet trusted in Jesus, how are you making it? You are one heartbeat away from eternity. You need the Lord. You need your sins forgiven. You need eternal life. And I'm going to tell you something. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you. If you need him today. If you need him today. He's ready, willing, and able to make a difference in your heart and life. If you're here today and you are a child of God. I want to tell you something. Let's fear the Lord more than we fear man. Let's walk. In the power of God, with the love of God, with a sound mind, so that we might be what God wants us to be, what he saved us to be, so that we might learn to conquer these fears we face. Amen? If you need the Lord in any way this morning, this invitation is for you. I'm going to pray for you. Brother Scott is going to come play a song of invitation, then we'll close these services. Let me pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Work in this time like only you can. Speak to hearts and change lives, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.